Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm here again to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture, and I'm here today with my wonderful, amazing wife, Leah. Hi, everyone. Hey. <laughs> it's not snowing. It's not snowing. <laughs> it, it should be. It's not that cold. It's actually like 40 degrees outside. We were well, like really excited about being pretty cold last week, and then, and then it kind of just dawned. It's raining, and I keep staring at the rain and thinking it could turn into snow because it's hoping. happened before we're hoping there's we're, we're, that's what we're we we're, were thinking we're gonna have snow on thanksgiving right yeah but yeah so um we wanted to come back uh and do a quick episode on just the christmas season and some thoughts we've had on it as it's gathering and also reflecting on some of the sermons that we've been going through in our church in the last few weeks uh that really focuses on the character of God, because, you know, like the whole focus of this podcast is um, the practical discipleship life, the practical experience of what does it mean? What does it feel like to follow Christ today and to do it for real? Um, so in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been we've been preaching through we, we preach through like we're preaching through Jesus story and uh, Mark and just un- unpacking who, who Jesus was and what, what his character is. And then in connection to that, um, I did a sermon in our church a couple weeks ago about God's love and uh, the gift of God uh, and the gift that God gives. And I think that this notion of gift is like central to uh, the whole Advent season, right? The whole Christmas season is all about the gift uh, that God gives. But I think we struggle uh, in experiencing that, like connecting the the reality of God's goodness and the fact that he gives and our everyday experience of seeing and experiencing the giving nature of God. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think we should link that the sermon in the show notes or whatever, however you do it. If people have time, I linked it back a few weeks ago in my Instagram. It's actually Thanksgiving week that you preached that sermon, The God Who Gives. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really powerful for me and I think for a lot of people to just understand the reality of God in his triune character, in his triune being, and why, why do people, why do we all tend to feel or worship a God that's distant, or we want to experience God personally, but we kind of still feel like he's distant, mm-hmm. and we don't really understand how he is close and personal. Right, right. Why do you think people tend to view God that way? Why do we all tend to view yeah. God that way? Well, I think, and I think we've mentioned that, maybe I've mentioned that on here or uh, in other stuff, that one of the characteristics of our culture today one of the characteristics of life in our world today, uh, a world that has many different belief systems, many different ideas, you know, to live as a Christian is to live in a world where, where a bunch of ideas of reality are being com- are competing. And in general, even if we don't admit it, if, if even if we don't think God is distant or we don't say God is some faraway deity, um, the experience that we have is like this world in all its mess and then there's god somewhere out there like there's an experience of god feeling distant 
Right. Um, Above so it all. Right. It's, in it's, the clouds. It's kind of a characteristic of our age. It's an inseparable aspect of living in our world. You got to identify that in order mm-hmm. to first deal with it, you know? But even um, then in the church, like we, our experience as Christians often is a God who is watching from above and he loves us, but our sin ought to be dealt with in a certain way. He's just on his throne and we need to worship him on his throne and we are here far away. Right. And I think so. So basically for me, the essence of uh, countering that idea is how we view God. Who is God? What is he like actually? You know, we emphasize God's characteristics in his power, his wisdom, his supremacy, all these real things, right? Um, but when we look at how the Bible talks about God inside himself, there's a huge, huge personal component at the very essence of God, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you read John 17, Jesus prays, and in that prayer, Jesus is revealing the inner life of God. He's revealing what it's like to li- to be in relationship with the Father between himself. Mm-hmm. And he talks about um, the glory of God, which is something that we are all, always thinking of the glory of God as this lofty, high thing. This God is glorious. He's powerful. He's amazing. He's above and beyond us. Um, but Jesus speaks of the glory as something that he shares with the Father. And then Jesus earlier speaks of the glory that the Holy Spirit will declare and glorify Jesus to other to the disciples. Mm-hmm. So there's this amazing idea when you look at John even in his presentation of how Jesus describes himself is that the glory of God is his wonderful nature, right? His supremacy, his beauty, his excellencies. But when you realize that that glory is inseparable from his triune nature, that God lives in an eternal relationship where he is delighting in his own glory within a relationship of love and joy and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So when you when you see that, so and then that really ties in the centrality of how we view God as a triune God. Mm-hmm. So the Trinity helps us see that the glory of God is bathed in love always. The glory of God is celebrated in love within himself. So all that he does, he's not doing to just generally show off his 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 character or you know show the world how much mightier and power more powerful he is. Everything he does before he did, he ever did anything, God lived in a relationship of love and delight and insufficiency within right. himself versus everything God does he doesn't do out of a need right for anything and i think that contradicts a lot of maybe incorrect ideas from our childhood that we were taught or you know like why did god create the world or why did god create people because, because he, he was lonely he was he lonely fellowship or something he Some wanted crazy- he wanted, he needed to create people, even he needed to create people so that they may glorify him or he, some sort of need or lack within himself, which is so completely not true that God exists in a triune, perfect relationship within himself that he delights in and has perfect love and unity. And he, that is unlike any other God 
the world or the universe has ever created or thought of. It's this triune, perfect relationship. Right. And well, all and that it, he does is an outflow of that. Right. It's true that he created us for his glory. But what you can't separate. When you look at the way Jesus discusses his relationship with the Father, you see you cannot speak of the glory of God apart from his triune love. There's yeah. no such thing as glory apart from triune love. Because when we're when you when we glorify ourselves or we're you know, we are showing ourselves off to somebody or the rest mm-hmm. of the world. But God the beauty of the Christian picture of God is that he is an eternal relationship of mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And he delights in his own excellencies in a true relationship that is love driven mm-hmm. uh, rather than narcissistic. You know, like uh, the common accusation of the secular world of the Christian God is that he is selfish and self-obsessed, his own glory and nothing else. You can't separate glory from triune love and delight Mm -hmm. and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that, then when you talk about God created us for his glory, you're not talking about God creating us to... Out of a need for more glory. Right. But rather out of an invitation to share the overflowing love and joy and satisfaction inside himself. So God sharing his glory is God inviting you into the inner life that he mm-hmm. delights in himself. It's an what do you invitation. Mean just, what do you mean by God sharing his glory? You should define that because that could be misunderstood, I think. Yeah. So when, when God, you know, the whole, one of the biggest themes of the Bible is that we are created for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. We glorify God. We are created to glorify God, to, to exalt him, mm-hmm. to our lives would proclaim that we honor him and we value him above all things. Mm-hmm. Right. So we are created to be vehicles of his glory. Mm-hmm. Your, your purpose is to delight in, to, to live for and to rejoice in his glory. Mm-hmm. But when but you can't properly understand that unless you understand that glory is personal for God, that it's his love, that mm-hmm. he's not just trying to show you how much bigger and better that he is than you and you just live with this humble I am a worm mindset and God is amazing and I'm a worm and that's it. Um, but that when God is de- when God wants you to delight in His glory, He wants you to delight in His inter-trinitarian love mm-hmm. and satisfaction. He's inviting you into His own inner life. Right by seeing that and the glory that comes out of us because of that is a loving act. There, I think there's a difference, and I think that's hard to sometimes understand. Because God did intend to create us so that we feel our worthlessness and feel his worthiness. Right. But Apart that, from him, we are empty vessels. Like we, we, that's, the, that's the difficulty of humanity trying to create its own meaning in the world. Is we are trying to, we are, we are a vessel created for an infinite beauty and wonder. God. Right. And we try to glory and delight in things much lower than God. Ourselves our things, our stuff, our lusts, our romance, our dreams of career success or family stability. Yeah. But but when God, when we turn to God and glorify him in the truest sense, in, in a humble sense, that is the most loving. When God 
opens our eyes and, and shares a piece of his love or um, when we partake in glorifying him, that is him sharing his love, his Trinitarian, right. his Trinitarian love. And that's where glory is. Right. Rather than a God who creates little minions who and do his point, points a finger from heaven and says, bow to me or I will um, destroy you, which he has the right to do and he he is God of the universe and right. he can do that. But the way our God does it is he shares his beautiful, glorious love of the Trinity. And when we respond in, glor- in glorifying him, we are partaking in that love. And right. that's just amazing, beautiful picture of the gospel. At its very essence, y- y- our call to glorify God is an invitation to experience his love for us. Right. If you you're not glorifying God unless you are overwhelmed with His love for you, right? And the beauty of His love, the satisfaction of His love, the wonder of His love. Yeah, because people some people believe glorifying God is bowing down in fear and trembling and terror of this God who can send lightning bolts and I will be gone. Well, and the thing is, in a sense. We do tremble in fear and terror in a sense because he is all of that. Right, right. He makes the mountains quake. But here's the crazy part. This is your father. Yeah. So you can fear and tremble without actual uh, fear of like, I'm afraid of you. You know what right. I'm saying? It's like, more so of I'm afraid of wonder. dishonoring you. You, yeah. you. When you know God's love, you have the freedom to delight in his terrifying wonder right and not be afraid of it you have the freedom to delight in all of god's excellencies only when you are overcome and and transformed by his love right and love is so central because he is a god of love and his out of his beautiful loving triune relationship everything flows out of that um and if you if you are cowering before God and afraid that he's, he's going to send you to hell and, and you should be because he can and he is almighty and you are a sinner, a dirty sinner before his holiness. Um, if that's your relationship and that's how you walk before him and there's no, there's no understanding of his love, you're not understanding the God of the Bible. There's two extremes that we fall into. On the one side, it's this legalistic fear. God is distant. He is a judge who demands excellence. He's a harsh yeah. judge and i just need heaven. to work really hard and be holy right there's the other side that says god is all love squishy cloud of mush that don't worry about anything just love all love grace. love yeah. and and that is a god who is all love and no terror and right. no glory yeah really but the biblical god is is a terrifying consuming fire of wonder yeah. and yet the very essence of this powerful glorious amazing god is his love, his inter-Trinitarian love that drives all that he does. He is a God who is not in need. He is satisfied. He delights and he creates a world out of the overflow of his love within himself, out of a desire to create creatures like him in his image, in his likeness, so that he can invite them to participate relationally Mm -hmm. in his beautiful love. Yeah. And to see his love overflowing in all of creation, because that's the only reason he created it. Right. So how does this change our practical daily lives? Or how does this connect to our daily vision of everyday life? Um, how do we counter 
this feeling of God being distant. How does this change things for us when we see God this way? I think it changes everything when you understand that God created the, the world and all the details and the beauty and music and the mountains and rivers and sunsets and us in his image. He created us able to appreciate his creation, able to look at it and be filled with wonder. Mm-hmm. He is a personal God. He is not a God in general who came generally to save all humanity. He is a God who came specifically. He is a God who is present and cares about all the things that I might care about. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the complicated, weird details of my heart. He he is present and he cares. I think it changes um, just the whole mindset of well, and you his see presence. that he is deeply present in his uh, creation. Yeah. So creation is a deeply personal project of God that it's not just a mechanical world, dirt and trees and, um, you know, nature and the laws of nature. Like we we have a very mechanistic scientific view of of nature oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the biblical picture of why God created, you realize and, and Colossians 1.11 says that in Christ, all things were created and in him, all things hold together. So like down to the molecules and the atoms and like every detail of creation, he is personally creating it every day. Mm-hmm. Like creation is a sustaining power. He is in it, doing it. Every moment. Why? Yeah. Out of the overflow of his glory, of his Trinitarian glorious love. Right. It's like he's the artist who's so full of delight and inspiration. He is painting new paintings every single day. Mm -hmm. That's that's God in creation every day. Yeah. And in us every day. Like, Mm -hmm. and not only, he cares that much about creation, how much more he cares about his image bearers Mm -hmm. and all their daily functions and living and walking mm-hmm. um how does it change our daily christian walk and how does it change how we even view the gospel do you think yeah i think that basically we need to learn to look around and see that everything is personal that everything yeah. is gift. everything matters every moment is gift and every moment is gift uh for the specific purpose of calling us back into delight and fellowship yeah. with him yeah so he wants us to know his love by knowing him and worshiping him, praying, delighting in his word, fellowship with saints. He wants us to do that. Mm-hmm. But he also wants us to delight in the gifts themselves. The gifts right. are good that he yeah. gives. But so, so so there's this twofold directional joy. You delight you learn to delight in all of life as a gift. So when you realize it's a gift, you have more of an obligation to kind of delight in it. It's not right. like, oh, I have to delight in it. But, you know, um, if you found something by the side of the trail randomly and it was like a, a cool object, like say it's a 
an iPhone. You found it and mm-hmm. you're like, well, that's pretty cool, whatever. You know, I can sell it. I can do whatever. Mm-hmm. I just found it. Mm-hmm. But if if this was given to you from a person you dearly value, mm-hmm. you're not just going to be like, oh, that's cool, whatever. Well, I can do whatever I want. I can sell it or I can keep it. No, it's like, yeah. no, no, no. This is precious because it was given to me by this person. I'm going to mm-hmm. delight in this thing. They want me to enjoy this gift. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to delight in it. It's going to be a precious possession because it is a great thing, but also it is a gift of someone who loves me dearly. Yeah. All of life is that gift from mm-hmm. God to you, you know, mm-hmm. and and the gospel. Then you you see, what is the gospel? Well, in the gospel, we we ba- sin is basically us refusing God's love. In Genesis three, it is a it's a declaration that we rather pursue self love than God's love, than live in His fellowship in yeah. in the covenant relationship with Him. The gospel is God coming back into this world to save and redeem us even though we've rejected him and at the end of the day what did it cost him it cost him that to be torn apart from that trinitarian love in which he delighted from the very beginning of the foundation of the world his eternal trinitarian fellowship was for a moment torn apart and jesus experienced wrath instead of love from the father for us for our sake in order to bring us back into his love yeah he he tore himself away from his love he 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 gave up that which was so precious to him that which gave rise to the creation of the universe he gave that up to bring us home Mm -hmm. to bring us back to his love and it is the most precious gift of all and it's the gift that matters more than any other gift it's him giving himself in the most painful most costly way and and i think that when we don't accept that when we reject that or we downplay that Mm -hmm. that is the biggest sin you know when we don't understand what we have in him and not only do we have like in that gift of him himself do we have just like a general savior like god gave himself when you see how much he cares about all the things he's given, when he gives himself to us, he is present mm-hmm. in the way he has given himself to us and saved us. So he is present. He cares about every single moment of our struggle, of our mm-hmm. issues, of our complicated. He's not just a God who saves us in general and then sits on his throne looking at us as we struggle on our own. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that disconnect of like worshiping a God who's so distant and kind of like cowering before him. Right. We need to understand that the God is of the Bible, like it says, he he is not a high priest who is unable to um, sympathize. Is that the word it says? Mm-hmm. With our weakness mm-hmm. or our struggle. Um, I think in the past year I've been learning how God is a God who is so, he cares, everything matters to him. He cares and he's present in, in transforming us in the, in the, like a surgeon operating on our heart, on our personality, on our character. He is right there. He is present and just can't think of a better word than present, but active Mm -hmm. and wanting to give us more of himself to rid us of our sin every day, to make us better, more holy, more confident in his grace um knowing his word and i think sometimes as christians we read books and sermons and we try to grow in the knowledge of god 
but then we don't turn around and realize he is just so present. He cares that you have social anxiety. You He cares that you feel so desperately lonely because you feel like you don't have friends or that you, you want to get married and you just years of loneliness or that you have marital struggles. He cares that even the things that you think, oh, that's just like a bad habit of mine that I just can't get over. God wants and is able to help you to transform you in that by the power of his word. And I think we don't, we don't let him penetrate so deep. We kind of keep him at a distance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he, he wants me to obey him. So I, I need to repent of my sin and, but, and just walk in holiness. And yes, but he is a God who just penetrates every, every struggle and sin we have and wants right there to change us, to guide us, to make us better, to trust him more, to lean on him more. I think that, we don't invite him because we think maybe he doesn't care enough about mm-hmm. how we can't stop binging on food and binging on Netflix every day or, you know, thinking things that are not as Christian or ordinary or struggles. just mundane or how we struggle with, you know, not wanting to wash the dishes every day. And we just don't we just it's just so, so annoying to us. Um, those kind of things we don't invite him into. Because we think he doesn't care when he is always giving himself. And that's, yeah, I think like I was struck with that, just seeing Jesus, his character, that he, he takes time to isolate a specific beggar, a specific, um, you know, deaf man that he takes him aside in Matthew, in, in Mark, I think it's seven or eight takes him aside and personally spends a moment, communicates his care. Right. Like when you understand this big idea that God is driven to delight in his glory in love and that his greatest delight is to 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 love you by bringing his wonder and glory to you. Mm-hmm. In all of history, the biggest way, God shows his glory in a lot of ways. But the biggest way, obviously, that he delights to do that is to save and redeem broken sinners. Mm -hmm. That's his greatest delight and joy is to bring love to the hearts of sinners. Mm -hmm. When you realize that, you realize that your Christian life is not a process of Jesus paid once and now you got to like accept that and just kind of like, Apply it like Do a it. band-aid to all your issues. It's not a one-size-fits-all salvation because Jesus actually said, it's better for me to leave because the Holy Spirit will come and he will declare all that I have said to you. He mm-hmm. will take what is mine and make it yours. He mm-hmm. will glorify me in your hearts. So mm-hmm. so Jesus says that the second, the main stage of salvation of your spiritual life is God personally residing in you. God knows every emotion you feel. He feels it with you. He's there. He's inside of you. Um, Colossians chapter 3 says that your life is now in Christ and Christ is your life. And when he appears, your life will appear with him in glory. So there's a crazy idea there. God has tied himself to you permanently. Permanently. That's You profound. don't exist apart from him. And there is no aspect of your existence, of your daily struggles, not a, not a millisecond that is detached from his 
daily experience. He experiences everything with you Mm -hmm. and he is there present working for the purpose of demonstrating his love to you and bringing healing and redemption to every single one of your problems. Right. And that's not a one size fits all salvation process. It's a personal. He's a savior, personal Jesus. A specific as, savior. As 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 uh, as cliche as that phrase is, it yeah. is one hundred percent true. He is a personal savior. He is a personal Jesus. You know. And he cares about all the things that you think he might not. Um, so invite him in. I think we all need to think through things in our life, struggles, or little habits, or idols that we're just like oh this is just this is not a spiritual issue or this is just a um a heart thing that i just need to figure out or it's like invite christ into all the he's already there right you know, he cares about your issues your struggles your habits your brokenness and he is there to give you himself make you more holy um make you experience his love even more and i think the gospel becomes so much more precious the more you let him penetrate the depths of your heart that you maybe don't want to or think he doesn't care about the more precious his love becomes the more you experience his love the more you realize what kind of god does this kind of work to dirty sinners that he permanently ties himself to us for eternity to let us experience the glory and the love that he has within himself um I, that just blows my mind. I think that's so amazing. And I think that truth makes Christmas even more mind-blowing that we celebrate the act of Christ leaving that perfect trinity and becoming taking on flesh and becoming one of us. And like last Sunday sermon, he, he has come to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, to be near to us. Um, and when, when, after that sermon, we were singing the, the Christmas song, come thou long expect, expected Jesus. And just like it's saying, come thou long expected Jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins relieves us. Let us find our rest in thee, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart born thy people to deliver born a child and yet a king born to reign in us forever now thy gracious kingdom bring um anyway but that he has come to be with us to feel our humanity and that this whole season we get to experience that joy and be reminded and kind of partake in the advent of awaiting his birth mm-hmm. and then celebrating the act of him descending into our world, into our darkness, to give us himself. I think that's what brings so much of the magic and the joy and the just the celebration of this season. And it makes it so much more powerful and joyous. Yeah, we have to learn to see that God's world is crowded with his presence and glory. You know, we talk about loneliness as a problem, but... We want somebody just to listen to us, you know, like in Jesus, you have a savior, a friend who literally is always 100% focused on you and ready to listen. 
and he's ready to listen to your prayer as long if you if you want to sit there and pray for six hours to him and pour out your heart he's never gonna get tired of listening he's there listening to guide and counsel and to to, to shape you you know like his presence his loving shaping saving presence and the the joy of his gifts um to look around at every moment and to see he is present in his gifts he's present in every season of life that you live the hard moments he's present in those moments in those seasons in the difficult seasons he's present through those for a specific redeeming purpose he's carving out qualities virtues things in you that he wants to to make you stronger more beautiful more glorious in his image you know so there is not a single moment where he is not present and when we you know the the gifting of the the season the gift of the season the gift of the gospel is really everything it's it it's all of life that he's given you it's all of the spiritual life that he's given you and it's all of the, his presence in your heart you know so when we start to see that i think we start to see god as almost um uh, uh, inescapably present yeah <clears throat> yeah and i think um seeing how he is the ultimate gift giver the most costly he's given us the most costly gift i think in this christmas season often we see christians back away from gift giving or um kind of shy away from that because they're like well it's not about the gifts it's about jesus and I think a huge way we celebrate and honor God, I don't know, people might disagree with that, but is to like lavish one another with gifts. Well, with that's love. like saying God, God saying, it's not about my gifts. It's about me. Yeah. It's so like, enjoy no, me. It, it, he, he does give you, he gives you life. Yeah. Like he gives you gifts of, you know, spiritual blessings, fellowship in the church, prayer, his word. He gives you every day gives you bacon and coffee and like sunrises and it's never ending snowy he pours out like, his gifts every single day his gifts really matter he cares about his gifts he cares about physical reality so much he became one with it right he took on a body yeah jesus will be in a body for eternity that's how much he cares about physical gifts so there's right. nothing wrong with physical gifts yeah, I think um, it's a way we kind it's, of it's your mindset, mimic obviously. God with how we, not that not that everyone needs to go and <laughs> go into debt to lavish their families and friends with gifts, but I think um, gift giving is such a way of imitating the way God lavishes us with gifts every day, and I think um, giving good good gifts and um, loving people well during the season that is dedicated for celebrating him coming yeah. him being the gift i think that's a, such a wonderful way we can partake in that and um so yeah we're we're here in what? the christmas season we're settled it settled in and enjoying it enjoying all the decor and i just finished class last week so i'm really starting to soak it in like things have become less stressful because my class is over so i'm really yeah what is enjoying. your what is your favorite what, what would you say 
when it's the Christmas season, what really makes you bring on the Christmas vibes. <laughs> Maybe not the vibes, but like when you're at home or you come home and you ex- like, what is the f- coziest thing that you love I don't about know. this Honestly, season? Honestly, as cliche as this is going to sound like that, this year it's hot chocolate. You've been really enjoying that hot chocolate this it's year. That Trader Joe's peppermint hot chocolate is just heaven. You got to make it with whole milk. Yeah. And it's just amazing. The marshmallows so. or no marshmallows? Is that key for no you? No marshmallows. No marshmallows? No marshmallows. No. Whipping cream. Okay. Like whipping cream and maybe sprinkle some peppermint sprinkles. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's been good. What about you? I think I just love when the house is all decorated and then it's full of people. I don't know. That's just the parties and the music and the kids and the pajamas. I love that part of yeah I'm really social so I love that yeah planning all the parties and thinking of all the things we can fill the house with and all the people we can invite and just bake all the cookies and share all the joy I love yeah I love that part of the holiday so thank you guys for listening hopefully that you guys can go out and enjoy the season more fruitfully in all the ordinary things and all the wonderful amazing spiritual blessings that god gives at the same time um thank you so much for listening and pass this episode on to friends or family if it has been beneficial uh let us know what you thought uh send us some questions or comments if you have any it's been fun to hear regularly back from people who are listening and uh thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you again soon Mm -hmm.